The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Each business is unique and operated individually of others in the same industry. What they have in common is the potential path to success. Welcome to The Second Stage with your hosts, Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. In today's program, we'll address the obstacles that many businesses find on that path to success and discuss what entrepreneurs and their businesses are doing to stay ahead of the curve. Now, here is Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. Good morning, everybody. It's Brendan Anderson. Welcome to The Second Stage. This is uh, Jeff Click Brennan's tag team partner here at the second stage. Uh, glad to uh, have everybody listening today. Uh, we're continuing the mojo of all the good stories. We've got another great uh, guest on today, a guy named Rich Manders, who Brendan Anderson knows very, very well. And uh, our story today is really the power of defining your ideal client. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, our last show, which was about digital marketing. And uh, our, our, our guest, Gabriel Shulian, who is the founder and CEO of Blue Fountain Media, uh, and we're strong believers in the power of technology today to allow you to scale your business. Digital marketing is, is just one of them, and it's done wonders for, for us as an organization. It is, Jeff. It's funny. As I hear you talking about it, I, I kind of equate not only digital marketing, but it also ties back to the subject we're going to talk about today about your ideal customer because, you know, obviously the, the more you know your ideal customer, the easier it is to, to target them. So it's kind of a, a, a funny back-to-back or at least to me a, a, a good parallel between uh, um, the topics. Yeah, and you know, uh, Gabriel did spend some time talking about you know there is a difference you know in terms of how you present yourself online versus how you've presented yourself to your traditional client all the way and going about identifying the best way to communicate yourself and to um, uh, you know in that in that format is is unique and different. And you really almost have to start from scratch. Yeah, yeah, you do, and and, and I, I think it's you know in, as we'll get into in other shows we haven't done yet, but it, it's really about you know figuring out why you're unique and why why people uh, want to do business with you, and also what those specific people look like, and and then the digital marketing piece really is a wonderful wonderful way to to kind of get out there and uh, and and you know find people that you never could have dreamed of meeting before. So it really is wonderful. Yeah. It's funny that Jeff, I you know me, I got a little ADD going on, and uh, I, I was uh, was you know we've done uh, some of these shows uh, you know pretty tightly, and I was just you know uh, digital marketing was awesome. I also uh, I went back and, and uh, listened to uh, um, some of the core values discussions we had, and it's pretty exciting. Also, um, can't, uh, full disclosure, can't remember if that one's running yet, but uh, the uh, the core value discussion <laughs> it, it is, and I'll tell you why I know because I've already gotten three emails uh, from uh, from 
personal friends of mine that actually also listen to core values and said that they were they were right on and you know Bud Bryan I thought was very eloquent in uh, sharing his stories and how they came about it um, you know and he was very philosophical I, I kept trying to engage him in the discussion about how how he actually did it with his current uh, organization Budco Financial Services um, but I thought it was interesting about how he came to decide that core values were important for him personally as a professional and also his support that you had to have these as a way to scale your business. What I find is uh, so much fun, and I think we mentioned this at the close of, the, of that show, was that um, – each entrepreneur has a has a different story of, of about the aha moment when they actually decided that core values and purpose and some of the things that we like to talk about uh, really were important. And I think that when we talk to Rich today, uh, you know, he'll have a different story. And, and you talk about a guy that is uh, – you know, Rich knows more about this subject than any human being that I have, you know, quite frankly had a privilege of spending lots of time with. And um, really it's just somebody that has taken it to another level in his business and in his, in his personal life. So it's, it's, it's exciting. I, I you know, it, we could get rich talking for about a month and a half on core values, but we have him talking about who today. So, uh, it's, uh, it's good. It's good. Well, like all, like all entrepreneurs, I'm sure he has some level of ADD. So we'll try to keep him focused. Do you want to introduce rich to, to the community? Yeah, that's that's a great idea, Jeff. Um, I've known Rich uh, for f- four or five years. I can't really remember. Uh, we, he's part of my uh, entrepreneurs organization, Quantum Leap Forum, and he truly is somebody that spent the last thirty years continuously learning about growth companies and best practice. And, and when I tell you that this guy knows this stuff, it's, it really is an understatement. Uh, Rich started a company called Automation Solutions, which eventually became I Automation uh, when he uh, when they rolled up a couple of their businesses. Um, iAutomation is a value-added distribution company that helps manufacturers of automated equipment thrive in the U.S. through clever, competitive, and and quality components and solutions um, in the automation. And Jeff, I don't even know what this is, mechatronic space? Do you have any idea what that is? Yeah, that's well above my pay grade, so uh, I've decided I don't have to know about it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have we'll have Rich explain that to us as uh, we'll tell. He's a little more technical than you. Maybe that's a typo. I I don't know. No, I actually went. I actually copied that directly from his okay. LinkedIn page. Right. I think right. I think you know, I could have missed. Maybe it was an autocorrect. But anyways. Um, What's exciting about uh, Rich is, and, I, and I've had the privilege of kind of listening to his story in, in some wonderful detail over the last four or five years, but this is a guy that started the company. So he grew it from zero employees to over 135 employees, sales from uh, zero to over $80 million today. Uh, in 2007, Rich and his partner uh, you know, partnered with a private equity fund, Riverside, and Jeff, I, I don't, you know, from a success perspective, I don't think they could have picked a, a more successful partner than Riverside when it comes to investing in, in you know, kind of uh, the stage up from us. And uh, you know, so they've partnered with Riverside since then. Uh, Rich is uh, is one of those, you know, kind of uh, entrepreneurial go getters in his spare time. He competes in triathlons, all distances, including the Ironman. So Jeff, I know you and I have done some Olympic stuff, but that Ironman takes it to a whole new level. Yeah, we do Ironman over a period of weeks, though. Yeah, I mean, we do, Iron- <laughs> yeah. we do Ironmans, just we take our time. It takes us, takes us four different triathlons to do so. But anyways, <laughs> um, 
and what's really exciting is, and I've watched Rich's uh, kind of um, evolution, no pun intended, um, over the last year or so as he's kind of pulled back from his company, uh, the company that he founded, and he's uh, started a business a coaching company called Third Eye Coaching to help other business owners obtain their goals. Uh, Rich is a certified gazelles instructor, uh, which is um, Rockefeller Habits, the book, if you guys want to uh, read that. Um, and um, uh, as you know from our uh, many po- uh, podcasts that we at Evolution believe that entrepreneurs should be following some operating system, uh, including Gazelles, is on the list. And uh, you can reach Rich at uh, www.iiicoach.com. He's uh, based in Connecticut. And as I mentioned earlier, we're going to discuss uh, the who, the power of defining your ideal client. And Jeff, maybe you can provide some color as to you know how Evolution started and how defining our client and how it's changed our outlook by defining our ideal client. You know, uh, I hate when you surprise me with questions because I'm not that smart and I typically have to reflect for a period of time, but I believe this is more of the softball-y type of a question I actually could could give a thoughtful answer to. And, you know, it is amazing and we always use that phrase evolution of evolution. And when we got started, you know, we came to the same answer from different perspectives, you from the entrepreneurial perspective and me from the institutional investor perspective, that there was this capital gap of small companies that didn't have access to capital that we felt, um, you know, needed and deserved, uh, you know, and were a great investment. <clears throat> and and when we got started, we didn't want to let anything go, and so we. T- really our the definition of our ideal customer was very very broad and almost not definable broad and what was amazing is as we have gotten more targeted and more focused and more articulate about what we're looking for our deal flows actually improved because when you we get specific and you get targeted you get better results which is almost counterintuitive um, you know from somebody that's starting on down this path for the first time. Yeah, I, I equate it to when, when entrepreneurs just get going, they're happy to have customers and, and, and why wouldn't you be? They're paying the bills, they're 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 giving you ideas and concepts and a lot of the wonderful things that, that you that you come up with are a result of bringing on a customer that may not have been a perfect match original initially. But as you as the as you get to 10, 20, 30 employees and you're on that as we like to say small business treadmill to grow beyond that just by Taking on ad hoc customers gets very, very difficult. And the more you can can identify the the perfect customer, the 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 easier it is to scale your business, and easier it is to put them in in a process and system that makes not only you happy but makes them happy, uh, and will continue to drive your business. I uh, I've you know said I've had the privilege of hearing Rich how Rich found his who and. I, I just think about it at Evolution how we did that, and, and I've mentioned a couple times in this podcast how Stam, uh, the company that makes air intake and exhaust for large diesel engines, um, when when we first bought it, we were literally anybody that wanted a large diameter tube bent, we'd be happy to uh, to 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 do it for them, and we quickly figured out that our uh, you know our who our ideal customer was a uh, was an engineer in a cube with a problem, and in in, a, in typically a large company that would manufacture large engines or was moving lots of air, so it um, uh, you know it, it really is a game changer, and and I would say that the number one hurdle I see uh, to small businesses you know 
that that have reached that peak is really you know kind of refining who they who they're willing to 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 chase or who they who they're spend their time focusing on. Jeff, we've even taken that to a, you know another degree when it comes to you know you know you and I are uh, in a private equity fund and we have to go out and raise capital at times and maybe talk about how focusing a little a little better on or a little more focused on who the types of investors we're looking for has helped us out a little bit. Yeah, you know, I was actually thinking about that exact point, and uh, it actually got me into a further thought, um, and, and that is understanding your why uh, before you understand who your ideal customer is. There's that wonderful now, TED now you're talk. way over my head. Now you're way over my head. You need to stop and explain that. <laughs> so there is a a lot of people have heard about TED talks, uh, capital T. ED talks. You can Google that. They're on YouTube. Uh, they're wonderful uh, uh, presentations. And there's a fella that's on a lot of these presentations, a leadership uh, uh, thinker named Simon Sinek, S-I-N-E-K. And he has this whole golden circles theory, which starts with, you know, your what is the outer circle, the middle circle or the second circle is how and the middle circle is is your why and your why if you understand your why you're in business and you find your ideal customer and your ideal partner and they also believe in your why then they're there on your term on their terms not just your terms so for instance Brennan our why is we want to create life-changing events for small business owners their employees and the communities in which they operate and we know they're if we satisfy those those whys, then our investment returns will be great. And the people – and so this gets to your, your point about our investors. Our investors believe in our why. And when you and I got started back in 2005 with Evolution Capital Partners, we're very focused on – you know, going to, you know, people that had money. And so we we're going to these large pension funds and we were going to these Wall Street groups and we were going uh, all off, um, you know, all across the board. And it wasn't until we focused on our why and we focused in on people that we also believed would believe our why, like other small business owners, wealthy entrepreneurs, people that focused in on this space. Uh, would we find our uh, ideal investors? And so that would be something we could maybe talk to Rich about uh, when uh, he joins us is how important is finding your why before you find your ideal customer. So uh, with that, I'm going to um, uh, go to my normal spiel about our, 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 our show here, and that is, is that it is a, uh, a forum. And uh, we want people to participate each week if they can, either on our blog, which is evolutioncp.com. You can certainly email us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com. Uh, as a forum, the show will be more effective and powerful if people contribute their experiences and ideas, and we invite you, you to do that. Um, I also want to thank our sponsor, McGladry LLP, is the leading provider of assurance, tax, and consulting services focused on small and mid-sized businesses nationwide with more than 6,700 uh, people in 75 U.S. cities. So with that, we're going to sign off and come back to our guest for this week, Rich Manders, on identifying your ideal customer. Thanks for dialing into the second stage.
The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting. Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. This is Jeff Cadlick, and I'm here with my tag team partner, Brendan Anderson. Um, like any forum, the show will be more effective and powerful if folks contribute their experiences and ideas, and we invite you to continue the discussion from each, each week's show on our blog, which can be found at evolutioncp.com, or you can email us at, at uh, the second stage at evolutioncp.com. I uh, want to introduce our guest for this week's show, Rich Manders, and the topic is the power of defining your ideal client. Welcome to the show, Rich. Hi, thank you. Nice to be here. Hey, uh, Rich, I mentioned in the earlier segment that you and I have known each other and part of an EO Quantum Leap Forum, and uh, uh, so I have a you know kind of a insider's view at some of the wonderful things you've done, and just uh, you know I, I know entrepreneurs love to hear other entrepreneurs' stories. I'd love to you know kind of hear uh, you know your version of of why you know why you got started why you did what you did and and, and uh, you know kind of how you got going on you know kind of implementing a process in your business sure well the you know like most folks who start a business if you in my case and, and many other uh, the ones that I've heard it's because you've seen a business or you worked in a business and you could see a better way to make it happen you thought you could do it better and making it take advantage of that opportunity um and in my lifetime, I've always been a form of an entrepreneur in, you know, newspaper routes and little side businesses and so on. But this, this last go-around was probably the biggest of uh, many stops along the way of different kinds of businesses that I've picked up and grew in different industries. When you know, when when most entrepreneurs start, they they think they see a different or you know see a different way to do it. Um, most of them go out there and and just start working on it. You know, I think the thing that that I've been amazed with in EO and you probably to a, to a much larger degree is how 
you've dedicated a big chunk of your life to learning about the best, you know, best practices and implement in growing small businesses. I mean, you know, I, I was uh, thinking back through the, our discussions about all the time that you have spent in seminars and reading books. Well, I mean, what, how much time do you think you've put into that? How many hours is oh, it? Oh, geez, you know, I don't thirty know years. I, I, I could, yeah, I would have to say that I probably spend you know north of ten hours a week learning in some way, reading books or magazines or attending seminars or something like that. So you'd have to do the math for me since I I don't have a calculator in front of me, but it's a a lot of hours for sure. But it also is is my passion. Well, that combined with the fact that you actually, you know, implemented these processes in businesses that you ran. So, you know, you were learning there too. I just, you know, it's always, it always amazes me when I get around, uh, you know, some of the uh, EO people and, and in particular guys like you that have, have you know, literally spent, you know, I, I don't know, I was, I was going to use the term 10,000 hours because it just is a, it is lots and lots and lots of time. And um, so when you, when you started what eventually became iAutomation, how quickly into that process did you say – did you have a – did you decide to join EO or to, to, to look at Rockefeller Habits or, or Gazelles or sure. – tell, how, how, tell me that process. So uh, we started the company in 1998 and we – I joined EO in 1999, so a year later. I think it, I got a postcard or something from – Inc. Magazine, I believe, was a sponsor at that time that said there was an event. And I had been, had a several businesses before that I had built up just with what I could learn from reading books and so on. And it appealed to me. I went to the session. And I thought, wow, what a, what a cool concept to have this peer-to-peer learning organization that I could grow and learn from. Uh, so that was kind of the, the beginning of my association with EO. But because I had been involved with sales for a long time, I had been involved with reading lots of books. This brought the other side up. So I was a very strong salesperson, but a weak business person. And that gets you so far as a, in, when you're trying to grow a business, being strong in sales, but not having the operational background or the or the best practices. And when I was able to pick that stuff up from fellow members in EO and going to universities and so on, that was really a springboard. It, it changed its trajectory quite a bit upwards for our business. Was there ever an aha moment where you where you were skeptical and then something happened where you just decided, my God, I you know, can't afford not to do this? Yeah. Um, the one that comes to mind, I've told this story many times, is once I joined EO, They had a university in New York City, Uh, and the university, they'll usually have somewhere in that range of 600 to 1,000 people get together. They'll bring thought leaders from all over the world in, and you spend two to three days together learning. Uh, One of the speakers there was Vern Harnish, who I believe his book was not even published yet when I saw him, and he laid out this Rockefeller Habits concept using... uh, the Rockefellers, who probably, but arguably, are one of the most successful business people of all time, using the habits that he pushed down into all of his businesses into a book and a process that you would follow to grow your business. And that was certainly an aha moment. I sat there and looked at and listened to what he was saying and was blown away. This is what I've been looking for, a framework that 
takes all these different best practices. You know, there's some of Jim Collins and some of Bob Bloom and et cetera, lots of different uh, great business authors and combined it into one single framework that drove the vision of the business, the accountability, and the rhythm of communication through that business. It, it really was transformational. And, and maybe t- talk about you know, and this is a, a tough question to ask, especially since I haven't got to the topic yet that, that we that, that you and I, that I'm that I want to talk about is is specifically how did it help your business? Like what, what was it? I mean, if there's an entrepreneur out there and say you know the question whether they should implement something like this, what was it that that made it that helped your business? Uh, part of the, probably the biggest thing is clarity. Um, if you of all my years in EO, I've gotten to know lots of different businesses and business people. And now as a business coach, I've been exposed to a whole bunch more businesses. But most common problem that comes across in any business is communication by a landslide. People don't know what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing it, or what the measurements are that you would judge success by. In many cases, they don't even know where the company wants to go or is going. They're just working their day away. All the knowledge that's out there on the subject of being motivated says that you're far more motivated by being part of something big than you are by money. And so by clarifying what it is you're there for, where you're headed, and what are the metrics we're going to use to know that we're getting there, and what will we do specifically to move that process along that's assigned to per, uh, a person who is accountable and measurable on that front, and everybody fits in the, under that umbrella is a very, very powerful system that takes all that communication drama out of the story. It's in, in you know obviously I think in our podcast we say this pretty much every week, Jeff, that it's like you know we can't believe that more people aren't doing this, and it's just it's the it's the fear I think the fear of of uh, of being transparent, it's a, it's rich. Why don't people do this? Why isn't every business out there doing this something along these lines? I, the simple answer is mostly, as you said, most people don't know about these types of practices and concepts. And secondly, is many folks were were like me, which is that I was good in certain areas and not in others, and so they just are plowing ahead, and they're afraid to share. Where, where they want to go, and they're afraid to spend the time that it takes to sit down and lay out to your team and to your company where it is you're going and what you're trying to accomplish and bring them in under the – probably even more importantly is bringing them in under the tent and having them play a role in creating that vision. That's yeah. a really hard thing for someone who – to put your ego aside and – to be focused in on, hey, help me craft where we're going to take this and how we're going to take it to where we want to go. Well, Rich, I was telling Jeff that, that we probably could pick any subject in our long list of things we'd love to talk about, and you would be a great expert on them. But I, you know, talking to you yesterday, we've 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 chosen the subject, you know, who, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the power of defining your ideal client, and uh, maybe just tell me what that means. Okay, so. I would say that of all the things that I did in my business, this was the most significant. And it sounds simple, but it's not. But it's very, very clarifying when you get it right. So 
figuring out who your ideal client is. So if you're running a business and you're sitting there listening to this, imagine in your head who are the customers that you love, that they pay their bills on time, that they're a pleasure to do business with, they see the value in what you're bringing to them and are willing to pay for that, that they refer their friends and colleagues to you. That's your ideal client. And the simple formula in business is go get more of those and focus on those and less on everyone else, and your business will grow astronomically. It certainly mine did. Walk me through the process because you guys got your business, uh, your ideal uh, client down to an unbelievably focused um, uh, target. Maybe talk to me about how you started and then how it evolved and then how it ended up. Sure. Well, you know, so the process of defining the who comes from a book uh, written by this guy, Bob Bloom, and it's called The Inside Advantage. And so I read the book and made me think about, okay, who is our who? And so, again, the easy part is start to think about who your best clients are and then figure out what are the characteristics that they have in common. What are the things that would allow you the challenge that every business person has is you have limited resources, limited time, limited money, limited uh, number of uh, people, etc. And if you can laser focus in on the right kinds of clients, then your chances of success go up significantly. So in our process, we're a company that sells the components to people who build automated machinery. It's a highly engineered product or products. And they requ- it requires a lot of interaction with the customer. It's a long sales cycle, but once it's in place, it's an annuity. So the business will keep repeating. So when we started with the process in our business of looking at who our best clients were, the first thing that fell out of the list was that they were a original equipment manufacturer, someone who produced a product that they would sell the same thing over and over again. That meant whatever work we did with them, would multiply over time. We'd solve a problem once, and we would get paid multiple times for solving that problem. So that was the first hurdle that we went over. Then we further refined it because there are companies that build their equipment for internal use, but there's many of them. So we changed that definition again a little later into being a repetitive equipment manufacturer. So, for example, uh, Nestle Waters like Poland Springs and so on, are customers of ours that are not making a machine but making a product, which is bottled water. But every one of those cases needs to be wrapped. They use the same machine all over the world. And therefore, there's you work really hard on solving the problem. And now every time they redo a machine, rebuild it, you get an order. Every time a company builds a new machine that's, for example, a baggage scanning equipment that goes into an airport is a kind of equipment our hardware would go into. So that was the first part of getting it narrowed down. Then we started to look at our best, uh, another characteristic of our best customers where they were in very high-tech industries where change is hard. So okay. examples of that, simple ones are things that have to do with the government, like Homeland Security and the military, et cetera. When they specify something, a specific product in a machine, once it's in there, it won't change. So you're not constantly subject to the same level of competitive pressure that you might get outside. Uh, that also falls into 
medical equipment, anything that has to be approved by the FDA is very sticky. They can't change it without getting approval. Um, semiconductors, another one where uh, the chip manufacturers specify that the machines have to be what's called copy exact. So that was another thing that narrowed it down. Then we looked at who it is who makes the decision at that about working with us, and it was the engineering manager. They typically have a engineering degree, could be electrical or mechanical, but the thing that made uh, it easy to filter down was they typically also had an MBA degree, so they were managing a department. They had uh, they worked from a very an Ivy League school like a Harvard or a Yale or an MIT, but rather from a state school level. And using that pile of knowledge, these kinds of customers in these kinds of industries, focusing in on this kind of person and understanding specifically what their wants and needs are, uh, the company had to be a certain size, typically more than $50 million in overall revenues, and growing fast, which would help us continue to filter down that list. So now we go from an audience that we're going to spend our marketing dollars on and our sales efforts on and so on from millions of people down to a few thousand people. And that's enormously powerful. Hey, Rich, I, we got to take a quick break here, but I, uh, I can't wait to kind of summarize what I think you just said. But uh, we'll, we'll do that when we'll do that when we come back in a second. <laughs> I can't wait to hear it. Uh, and with that, folks, uh, we will take a brief break here on the second stage and be back with our guest, Rich Manders, who's talking about the power of defining your ideal client. Thanks for listening to the second stage. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of a team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, 
Call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. This is our show, but it's a forum, so we're looking for input from you so we can benefit from everyone's experience. Don't be shy. Everyone's made mistakes, and believe me, Brennan and I have made uh, many of them, if not all, and, and we're still standing here. Uh, we're with our guest, Rich Manders, and we're talking about the power of defining your ideal client. So, Rich, we, we left for this last break. We went from you guys focusing on OEMs to mm-hmm. on, focusing on OEMs that were in the high-tech world, government, medical equipment, semiconductors, to trying to find buyers who were not only engineers but also MBAs. And I had to smile when I saw it when you said that you know probably from a state school in a company with at least $50 million in, in revenue in a growing company. Um, did I miss anything? Or were there more that you came up with there? Because that seems like a pretty finite group of people. Um, that is a pretty finite group of people. And that was what made it so great because now we could chip away at that list and do experimental advertising. Again, you know, we had a small staff when we started this, and there's only so many hours in a day you can pick up the phone. We've figured this stuff out, I would say, right in the range of 2002. So 2001 was the top year, and we were looking, trying, and so we were kind of in that spot where you're doing a reset in your business and saying, okay, going forward, what do we want more of and what do we want less of, which is probably even a more important question. And we went through this exercise, and it, it took time. So the first time through, we refined it some. Overall, I would say to get to what I described in a couple of minutes took us a, a couple of years to really narrow it down. And in our business, we called these clients A1s. A was, we used to have a scaling system, A for how big they are and uh, the number designated how good our relationship was with them, how tight and well we knew each other and trusted each other. And so we would have A1 meetings, we would have A1 targets, we would go after, you know, so it, was, it became just part of our vocabulary. Let's go get some A1s. <laughs> how often, so it took a couple years to get that specific, how often did you refine it? Was this something that you and the management team got together weekly, monthly, or is this something that you and um, your partner would, would focus on? No, it was, well, it, there's a number of different levels to that. The first one is we met once a year to make our plan for the year, and then we met as a team, all the leaders in our business, actually the whole business because it was small then, um, once a quarter and continued to focus and hone this. So we went through our plan and kept getting it better and better. But more importantly was it was part of our language. We had a meeting every month, every week, and every day. They were shorter and shorter, but we were the topic of what are you doing about getting more A1s, keeping the A1s we have, and uh, driving and growing, growing that part of the business was just part of our daily dialogue and our weekly dialogue and our monthly dialogue. So we had this heartbeat going through our business that measured the things that were most important 
And that we considered to be the most important thing was adding more and more of these types of clients to the business. How did you decide the, the size of this market? Was that gut or did you have – how did you do Well, it? We, we had some market studies. This was you – know, there wasn't – LinkedIn was just – uh, starting so we, you didn't have the kind of power you have today. That that who that I described to you is very easy to search for now. You can go onto LinkedIn and hunt for them and pull them up very very clearly. Back then it was more ground fighting, uh, guerrilla guerrilla fighting, if you will, where you had to call the receptionist at the company and say, "Can I have the name of your engineering manager?" and work your way through figuring out, did you have the right who? Wow. And so, so when, so when you, I mean, obviously you guys grew unbelievably uh, during that period of time. And did you have a feeling that you could get to the, the size of the company today based on that customer base? I mean, were you, were you, yeah. were, you were you worried about it? Well, it, you know, that, that was the backbone. I, you know, one of the tricky things about growing a business is, again, is figuring out what to say no to. And the more we saw this process gaining traction, the more we were able to say no to customers that didn't fit the profile, which kept our resources focused on the right kind of business. We grew the business using that model from what I'll call the A1 model, which was really having a clearly defined who. From the early 2002 range, through to about 2007, where we went out and searched for a private equity fund to help us lever the business. So we had gotten the business refined. Now we wanted to grow geographically and do that through acquisitions and then plug this process in. So we felt we had figured out the model that could be scaled now once we had done it in New England, which is where we were based out of. Now we said we could do this in New York. We could do it in, you know, along the eastern seaboard. And that's today we run from South Carolina to Maine running this model, where before we were just in a few states. When, when, um, so from actionable advice to entrepreneurs that may be listening to this podcast, what's if they, they want to do something like this, what's, what's their first step? How do they, how do they so, do so this? The, the first step is, is very simple, which is run your customer list out of whatever you're using, QuickBooks or whatever your accounting system is, buy profitability. Who are your most profitable customers? And then look at each one of those, and you're going to find some will not be considered the best customers. There'll be some that are big, but they really don't meet the rest of the criteria, which is they don't really value what you're doing. They don't have the um, – they're, they're not fitting the model. And But when you narrow into the ones that are – are really identifiable that you, you, I think the best test is you smile when you think about them. Put those guys <laughs> on a list and brainstorm with your team. You'll need the people who call on them. You'll need the people who talk to them on the phone. And you may even need, want to involve them at some point in the process to figure out what makes them special in your marketplace. Why do they resonate with you and your business model? There's some, some connection there. And then figure out where there's more of them. It, it's not very complicated, actually. 
Well, I, I, Rich, I, I appreciate your time in this. It's, uh, you know, time's flown by, and I have about 35 more questions I'd like to ask, and, and I'll, I'll hit you when we get together in uh, January. But um, I, I encourage anybody uh, that has more questions and, um, you know, to reach out to, to Rich. Um, and I mentioned earlier, it's www.iiicoach.com, and um, it really uh, – a wonderful resource when it comes to implementing this sort of thing. And not only because he's read the thousands and thousands of books, but because he's actually done it multiple times. So we thank you so much. Thank you guys. This was a pleasure. Thank you, Rich. And we'll be, uh, we're going to pause again for a short break and be back to talk uh, about the power of defining our ideal client and sharing some of our concluding thoughts about today's topic. And with that, thanks for signing on to the second stage. And we'll be back in a couple minutes. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Save on your prescriptions with the RX Savings Plus drug discount card offered by Voice America. It is not insurance and discounts are only available from participating pharmacies, but 9 out of 10 pharmacies participate nationwide. Start saving today. Print your free card online at voiceamerica.rxsavingsplus.com or text the word talk radio to 96362. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the second stage. This is Jeff Cadlick, and I'm here with Brendan Anderson, my my partner, and we appreciate you tuning into the the second stage, a show about small business best practices. I tell you, Rich is an impressive guy, and um, one of the things that impresses me about him, and there's a number of things, but is just you know we talk all the time about entrepreneurship as this ongoing learning and you just never stop you never stop growing as a person as a professional and you have a a guy that has been incredibly successful you know financially as well as professionally and he could obviously go do whatever he wants to do and sit on a beach and read a book or do whatever he wants and he's continuing to learn he's continuing to read books 
and and in trying to get better because he wants to become you know the the this this uber entrepreneur and he's very good at it yeah, you know, like he mentioned, it, it really is his passion. And, and like I said, I've had the privilege to spend, I don't you know, you know, 30, 40, 50 hours. I can't, you know, oh, God, a lot more than that if I roll up all the time. And uh, just uh, when uh, people in our forum group have issues and so forth, he has a just a very direct way of uh, kind of addressing it. And, you know, the way entrepreneurs are, Jeff, some, some, some people want to hear it and some people don't. And uh, uh, you know, he's got a very good style to that. I think also when it comes to entrepreneurship, it's entrepreneurs like to like to talk to people that have done it before. I mean, it's just it's important um, to have people that have sat in the seat and and made those tough calls and faced down the banks and you know and faced down finding these these who's and hedgehogs and all you know all this all the wonderful things that uh, Rich could go on about that they've done it before. It's just it's very very important. And it, Jeff, you know that when we when we talk to our customer base, they want to see that in our eyes also. I think the thing that I want to stress, and it, it was kind of coming back to me in our STAM deal, and, and as you and I have evolved over over evolution, Jeff, is that you know as you identify your A ones, it really is about trying to find more and more of those, and this is uh, uh, to free up your dis ability to say no more to the bees. So the point being is I, you know, you, you start moving towards finding more of these and it's not like it's something that you, you know, you flip the switch off on the bees one day. It's just the more a ones you find, the easier it is to say no to the bees. And you and I know that from when we're looking at deals, right? And, and I think that that is a very good point and it does take some courage, but I think you take the sting out of a bit because you don't start culling your bees until you've found who your A1s are and you've collected enough of them that you can have that bravado in a conversation with bees. And I think you and I have found that they sense – the bees sense when you you don't need them anymore and the conversations do get better, and you can convert some Bs to As. You you really can. Well, and I think I think it's when you sometimes when you tell the Bs what the As look, you know what what you're really looking to do. They can they may be able to fit that in there. And what I would say is that the entrepreneurs that that that, that continuously look for the Bs because they don't know what their As look like. It, it is a use of time. I mean, it's it you know you know it is Jeff, and we don't get the perfect partner for our. Uh, you know, evolutionary process it, it is it, it uses more more of their time and in our time than than we would than we would like. I mean, it, it, it's it's a um, you know what Bud Bryan said uh, the the last time we talked to him on the show was that you know we don't ever ha- we don't ever get in his way because he's he's executing the process perfectly and uh, so far, knock on wood, um, and it makes it a lot easier. I, I will say one other thing, Jeff, and this may be my kind of actionable advice. Trying to jump ahead to the uh, to your to your punchline questions. Are, are you allowed to do that? No, no. But uh, <laughs> we'll but be entrepreneurial this show. Well, I mean, I, I think the thing that just keeps resonates with me is, and, and it, as you know, I spent a little time uh, learning about the EOS system, and we've been working with gazelles for a long time, and we looked at results, and we, we you know, and we looked at map, and we've spent a lot of time in the great game, and they're all wonderful things. But what I can say is an entrepreneur that is out there that has a vision for their business, you know, it's a question. It's You can spend the next you know, 10,000 10, hours doing what Rich did over the last 30 years learning this stuff. Or quite frankly, you can pick up the phone and call him, it's Rich or somebody like him, and say, you know, can you help me do this? And, and I just – and look, I'm – I'm probably more of the entrepreneur that wouldn't have done that initially, but the point being is that that why spend the 
you can get there a lot faster and and less expensive by really grabbing somebody that that, that knows this stuff cold and yeah, and what we know about what we sometimes call no man's land is the faster you get through it, the better off you're going to be. And guys like Rich, as you're pointing out, have been through this before. And you had said a couple times in the show, Brendan, that you can find Rich Manders at www.iiicoach.com, and he's based out of Connecticut. Um, and you, you know, he's somebody that uh, again who's been around the block. You know, you know, and he made. You, we touch on transparency a lot more and the resistance that we get from people. And, you know, one of my hypotheses and, and Rich said ego, which I think is certainly part of it, but I also think is the fear of the business owner not having all of the answers, that they're afraid that one of these uh, folks within the organization may have even a better answer, which may tie into Rich's comment about ego. But, uh, you can't be afraid of that. You can't be afraid of that self-improvement regardless of who the good idea comes from. Well, and I, and I think, you know, quite frankly, if you think about empowering, you know, it, it, explaining to your, to your uh, staff and to the, your partners where, you, where you're headed with the business. And if somebody can come up with a better idea to get you there and you have a process in place to implement it and get everybody on, on, in line and put it, you know, and, and make sure it gets into the business process. I mean, my God, isn't that, isn't that a big relief to you as the owner or the, or the, the person that's driving the business? It's, it's, it seems obvious, but I mean, Jeff, we you know we have the privilege of looking at you know hundreds and hundreds of businesses a year, and we just don't see many, or I'll use the word any, that really have this sort of thing in in their business. Um, it's very few. And I would say that you and I almost use it as a bit of a, a, a compatibility test. It doesn't mean we don't want to work with those people that don't have transparency and the core values and the five pillars and things like that in place. But when they do, we're like, okay, these folks get it. You know, they're already down this path and they're ready to learn. They're ready for a partner. They're ready for that next stage of development, which is part of the battle, so to speak, when, when working with entrepreneurs. Are they ready to be challenged in that way? Well, as you and I have continued to redefine our who, we, we really are in a spot where we we would not back a business where the owners were not ready to implement the process. I mean, where they, they weren't willing to to, to – to grab these ideas and run with them because we know one thing for sure, Jeff, is that when a business owner does this, they are radically more successful than if they didn't do it. And I, that's exactly right. So we want to thank everyone for tuning in this week. We want you to have passion for possibilities. We hope you have some good takeaways and action items and strive to push yourself personally and professionally each week. Uh, we will be on again Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, and we will be diving into Law 101 for business owners next week. Thanks for tuning in to the second stage. Thank you for tuning in this week to the second stage. Please join Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson again next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 